Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Fightful G1 Recap special show podcast that I am hosting. I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and thank you very much for being here with me today. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you're here. Man, the G1, it's finished. It's done. This is a live stream that we're doing right here on August the 12th. And it's finished. It's completely done. I have been covering this for FightfulSelect.com over the past four to five weeks now, it feels. Uh, man, what a ride it's been. It's been crazy doing all of uh, covering every show, every uh, <laughs> every show, every event that happened within the G1. I was nuts, everyone. And I was doing this for Fightful Select. Dot com. Perhaps you've heard of FightfulSelect.com. You've obviously heard of Fightful since you're here watching this stream right now. And if you are, you know, jump in the chat. Feel free to say hello. It's fantastic. But Fightful Select is the subscription service that is offered by Fightful.com on top of everything that the free site already offers, you know, with the for getting you all the best news for all your combat sports related uh news pro wrestling mma boxing it's all there fightfulselect.com offers you tons more content not gated content content that you think you have accessible but you need to pay for no this is extra content you get a whole bunch of members only podcasts you get the weekender podcast hosted by sean rossap who wraps up the week in wrestling news Reviews non-WWE shows such as uh, Lucha Underground, Impact, Ring of Honor. Even talks about uh, being the elite since being the elite has become such an, an integral part of certain wrestlers getting over and uh, part of Ring of Honor and even New Japan storylines. You got to check that out. You get my own personal weekly 205 Live NXT review, which I do every week. Combination of both Two hours of excellent WWE programming 
You get Q&A sessions. You get monthly retro reviews. We have one out just that we put out recently for TNA Unbreakable. Me and Sean went over that fantastic show. It was fun to d- dive back in and take a look at how it holds up today. And spoiler alert, it's still fantastic. You get dark match commentaries. You get news previews. You get exclusive interviews. You get um, even some pre-announcements, stuff that ends up on stuff uh, before it ends up on Fightful.com. Fightfulselect.com members, Fightfulselect.com members get to uh, get to see it firsthand, and all of this and more. You just, it just costs you five bucks a month. Go check it out. Fightfulselect.com. Fantastic stuff. But you know we're here to talk about the G1. Oh boy, I don't think my body was ready for the finals today. I don't think it was ready, but we'll get into that. So technically, this is my last uh, my, my last G1 recap. And usually what I do is I'll go through the results real quickly of the, uh, of the events. Uh, we start off with that. We'll go through the events, uh, the results of the events that happened just in the past week. So on night 17, which was August 10, we had the final night of action of Group A. We had Togi Makabe defeated Michael Elgin via the King Kong knee drop. Yoshihashi defeated Hangman Page via Karma. And that got to admit, I, I was a little surprised by that one. I thought uh, I thought your boy Adam Page was going to uh, uh, was going to pull off a win there. You know, if we're being completely honest with each other, I thought he was going to thought he was going to finish a little stronger than he did. That's just me. Minoru Suzuki defeated Bad Luck Folly via DQ. Of course, there were Firing Squad or BCOG shenanigans, whatever they're calling themselves. By, and the commentators uh, made a point of it. Uh, Bad Luck Folly, the only wrestler of the entire tournament to, uh, to go through the entire tournament unpinned. I guess that's a feather in his cap. Unpinned, not submitted. He, every time he lost, it was by DQ. So Bad Luck Folly has his mark in history in the G1 with an asterisk. Evil defeated Jay White uh, via everything is evil. Now, I don't want to get into this match too much, especially since it doesn't have any real implications on what we want to discuss and what uh, what we're doing here going forward. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw this match, but I felt like Jay White wasn't desperate enough to win this fight. Let's go back into context. If at this point of a block, Tanahashi had 12 points, 14 points and Okada and white were tied at 12. If I'm not, or no, they were tied at 10. I can't remember, but they were tied. So the idea here is that if white defeated evil, I apologize. My, my, there's so much information that went on with the G1. I apologize if sometimes it just some some little details slip my mind like that. But basically, the gist here is that if White defeated Evil, he eliminated Okada instantly. Like the result of the uh, of the main event just wouldn't have mattered because White would have beca- would have got even if Okada had won against Tanahashi, he would still have been eliminated because uh, because White had the tiebreaker on Okada. And uh, the only way White uh, 
the only way White would have failed to advance is if Tanahashi won or, or, or drew, if it was a draw. So I, you would have thought that Jay White, cheater extraordinaire, sniveling little punk that he is, uh, you figured that he would have uh, given a maximum amount of underhanded tactics to really, really try and make it, but you didn't feel that urgency in the match. And I thought that took away a little because Evil had, was in the position of being a spoiler here, and he did ultimately spoil it for, for Jay White, but I felt that was missing in the story of this of, of, their, of their final match. I felt Jay White could have... He could have gone... It could have been a uh, he, he. He could have made the stakes feel more urgent. There you go. And finally, in the main event of that night, of course, we all know by now, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazushika Okada went to a time limit draw, and we're going to talk about that match in a bit, in a lot more detail. Night eighteen, uh, the final night of block action, block A. August 11, Yano defeated Tama Tonga via disqualification when Tonga attacked the ref. Now, you know, Yano's matches throughout the entire G1 have been super entertaining. And not your, these are not your five-star cl- uh, classics. These are not the matches that you are going to cry over or are going to keep you on the edge of your seat, but that's not what Yano's for. He understands what his role is in New Japan. Um, Yano's matches were all fun. No matter who he was with, they were all super entertaining. Were a nice little break or a good way to start the match, depending on the their positioning. But Tama Tonga, you have to leave it to Tonga Tonga to carry Yano to his least entertaining match of the G1. That was a bit of a disappointment, if if we're going to be perfectly honest here. Um, because everything ended up in shenanigans, and then uh, New Japan President Harold Meish, I think I'm pre- I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, and Chairman uh, Sugabayashi came out with officials to stop the firing squad from interfering, right? And they had this whole thing where you know they even put out a statement saying that if anyone were to interfere in these matches, they'd be suspended for three months. Well, they actually had to toss them from the building. And even later on in the evening, the uh, the announce uh, team said that the firing squad had been kicked out. And I know this is a rare occurrence too. This doesn't happen. Uh, this doesn't happen very much. It's pronounced May. Thank you, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Thank you. It's pronounced May. Harold May. I wasn't sure. Um, but the fact that um, we have authority figures appearing on camera and getting involved in storylines like this doesn't happen very often. I've seen quite a few comments online of people getting a bit worried that they might be going a WWE route down here, especially since Harold May showed up once again, uh, showed up once again to today, tonight, depending on whatever time you watch it, but on the, uh, at the finals, um, people are starting to get a little wary that maybe this, this might actually turn into a, an authority thing. We'll see. I think it served its purpose. I'm not too, uh, it didn't bother me all that much. Uh, I, I, I feel it, um, it's, uh, I think it's, it served its purpose. 
Juice Robinson then on the same night, Juice Robinson defeated Hiroko Go- Hiroki Goto via Pulp Friction. Tomohiro Ishii defeated Sonata via the Brain Buster, which kind of looked more like a suplex. I'm not sure he got it all in, but anyway. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Tetsuya Naito with the Zack Driver. We're going to talk about that match in a little more detail in a bit. And of course, Kenta Ibushi defeated Kenny Omega, the match that made a million hearts cry with the Kamigoye. Again, we'll be talking about that match very, very shortly. So let, let's talk about a few matches then that happened. And um, I'm just going to highlight a few. If you've been watching my um, uh, my uh, my recaps on, um, if you've been watching my recaps on FightfulSelect.com, well, you know that when I start talking about these highlights, and, and besides, if you're not a member of FightfulSelect.com, what are you doing? Go subscribe. It's five bucks a month. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, it, if you um if you've been watching you know that i i talk about match highlights match that matches that i liked for whatever reason not necessarily the the the, the big i don't like them necessarily because they're they're the top notch matches maybe there's just things that i want to point out in in them we just discuss them i just talk about them i don't do rating systems i don't have the um What's the word I'm looking for? I don't have the uh, I don't have the strength, the mental dexterity to pull off to pull off um, rating systems. I just can do it. Props to everyone who actually does this. Going to start by talking about uh, from night seventeen, Hishori Takanashi versus Kuzuki Okada. Um, so the fact that Jay White was eliminated. Uh, meant that this match was decisive. Okada had to win the match to move on. And Tanahashi obviously could win, but he would also advance with the draw. Um, Jay White's... No, sorry. As far as... Now, as far as epic tales being told, it's hard to get bigger than this. You have two storied champions in the ring at the same times at the same time, two paths that have crossed numerous times. But today, in an, in an entirely different vision of where their paths are heading, the guys over at um, VoicesOfWrestling.com rather eloquently, and I'm going to put them over for this, for this uh, review that they did of uh, Tanahashi versus Okada, they... they pinpointed rather eloquently the vision that this match had, that I had trouble coalescing. Like, I had all sorts of feelings after this match. And I have to give them credit. They were absolutely right here. Tanahashi, so I'm, Tanahashi here was trying to stay relevant as his age went on. And this was hinted a lot in commentary. You know, uh, Okada basically had broken one part of his legacy, which was uh, his uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship record. Um, and while he, you know, maybe he was still relevant as a legend, was he still relevant as an active competitor? Did he still have a place in New Japan pro wrestling? Okada on his, on his end saw the one thing, you know, the one thing that identified him in over the past two years, he saw that disappear earlier this year with no heavyweight title. Okada has kind of become, you know, we've we've used the term broken. 
I liked to call him throughout the tournament Brokada. He's become listless. You know, everyone sort of wondered where where was our rainmaker? Who was this guy? You know, trying to put smiles on people's faces, and I always had a little smile every time commentary. You know, every time commentary would talk about Okada putting smiles on people's faces. Can't help but think it's a little a little dig at WWE. You know, the balloons and you know not being in top form. Basically, what we ended up having here was a match that was about legacies. Men whose past defined them both and who need to prove to themselves that they not only do they still have it, but that they still have a legacy to build. What's the next step? This was a, from this perspective, the match is so incredibly interesting. Okada also had to fight the clock. Let's not remember this. Not only was he fighting Tanahashi, but he was also battling the clock. And this was also put over very well by commentary. So Tanahashi's game plan was simple. It was to ground Okada, keep him from hitting drop kicks, work at his base. And under two minutes, I think of the match, you know, Tanahashi already had a dragon suplex like for a 2.9 pin and the crowd is going nuts. And we're, and I'm looking at this. And I'm like, okay, Okada is not, he's not doing well. Tana tries to get away from Okada, but he keeps, but Okada tries to keep uh, hitting Rainmakers. This is obviously towards the end as we start getting towards the end. Uh, he, he can't hold the wrist lock, right? Okada is trying to hit the Rainmaker and he can't hold the wrist lock. He's weakened from the fight, but it's also not our Okada. You know, it's not our guy. It's not the Rainmaker. It's not the IWGP, the dominant IWGP champion that we knew. He's weakened from the fight. And uh, and this is actually kind of a callback to their fight that they had at Wrestle Kingdom 10. You know, where Okada would not let go. Was, had a vice grip on Tanahashi's arm. He just would not let it go. Whereas here... He just couldn't hang on. Tanahashi counters a rainmaker with a strike and both guys go down. Tanahashi goes up top, hits a high fly flow, but Okada kicks out. Tanahashi goes up one more time as time expires. It was, it was shocking to see how much of this match Tanahashi dominated. Like Okada was never really, even in the moments where he was in control, he was never really in control. Um, he was always like, um, he was a beat behind Tanahashi on this. The time limit draw was so well done and it held up to the drama to the, till the very, very end. And Okada just showed he wasn't ready to give in and Ace didn't want the draw because he was going straight back up to, for another high fly flow. And you sort of wonder what would have happened after that second high fly flow because uh Tanahashi has gotten himself into trouble um he I, he's gotten himself into trouble a couple of times going for a second high fly flow the, you know and his opponent kicks out and then there's a reversal of fortune that happens so you know if had they had maybe 10 15 minutes more the point here as well not only does this finale protect Okada makes Tanahashi look really really great like he can still go he can still hang for 30 minutes and this was important 
to establish here going into his match with the Bushi, although we didn't know that it was with the Bushi, but it's still important to establish that Tanahashi still has it. If he needs to go, he's going to go. The point here as well is that we have these two guys within 30 minutes, they can't contain, they can't stay contained. If remove the time limit draw, then see what happens. This, the, their, their business, Okada and Tanahashi is not finished. We're not done yet. I love this match. Up until this point, this was my favorite match. Up until today, this was my favorite match of the tournament. It was crazy. Let's move on to night 17. We had Tomohiro Ishii versus Sanada. Tomohiro Ishii, the uh, MVP of the uh, of the tournament. And I think, um, fight me. If you, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's hard to deny. He's had excellent match with everyone's, with everyone's, and everyone. That's how good he was. He was able to pluralize everyone. That's how amazing his matches were. For two guys who no longer had stakes in this tournament, you know, Ishii and Sonata both on 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 the final night. Uh, did I say we were going to night seventeen, night eighteen, right? Yeah, yeah, that's night eighteen. Sorry, I'm. Got a little confused there. Uh, this is all on night uh, night eighteen. I think I said night seventeen. Anywho, for two guys who had no more stakes, they just went to war for no particular reason aside from just fighting each other. There were some great moments. Uh, there was this one moment where Sonata gets skull end locked in. He drops to the mat. Ishii escapes, but Sonata gets it gets him back into skull end. He releases it after a short while. Goes for a moonsault, misses, lands on his feet, but Ishii chop blocks him. Sonata fights back, gets uh, with some strikes, hits uh, some uppercut, uppercuts and a beautiful tiger suplex for, for a really, really great near fall, like another 2.9. He heads up top, misses the moonsault. Now, after this, after this moonsault, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine, all right, are you all closing your eyes, everyone? Imagine, if you will, the shape, the form of Tomohiro Ishii. And he's right across the ring from you. Now, I want you to imagine the shape of Tomohiro Ishii running towards you to deliver a shining wizard to your undeserving face. That's a hell of an image right there. Sonata got a shining wizard. It's a she then follows up with a huge lariat covers only gets two. He, it ends with the brain buster. They just went all, all out on each other. And, um, and you know, I, uh, Sonata is, you know, he, he's kind of a nice man in the ring. He doesn't show much emotion, much, um, much feeling, much expression, but man, when he start when he's in these big match situations, these really competitive situations, then he starts he starts growling he starts shouting it 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 it's it kind of turns into a trademark of his big matches now they had super chemistry the crowd was super into it this was a great match check it out Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr now this was the situation going into night 18 in the two final matches of uh, block B we had Omega and Naito at 12 points and we had Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. 
at 10. Naito needed to win here if he had a, a, a hope, if he had hope to head to the finals. If it, in, in the case that he won, if Ibushi beat Omega or if they drew, then he would win. If he lost, he would be out of contention because whether Omega or Ibushi win, uh, they both have the tiebreaker on him. So for Zack Sabre Jr. coming into this match, uh, as the possible spoiler of Naito's tournament, he was in a very, very interesting place. And I think he, I think he played it off really, really well. This match was a great showcase of both of these guys' strengths. And for a long time during the match, there was little question that Naito was going to win. It just felt, it felt like he was going to, to make it because it wasn't an absolute ground game for, for Junior. Uh, Naito had him well scouted. That didn't, doesn't mean that uh, Zack Sabre Jr. didn't get his moves in, didn't get his holds in. But it wasn't, uh, we've seen, especially in the tournament, we've, in, in, during the course of the G1, we've seen Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, go completely ballistic with his uh, with his ground game. And uh, it wasn't exactly the case here. So kind of felt like Naito had his number. Um, but not exactly. Tor, uh, at some point, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. counters Naito's flying forearm, forearm into an octopus hole. This is a really good example here. Uh, yeah, he got him into an octopus hole. Naito tries to power out. And Jr. just cranks back. And ties him up more, keeping Naito from the ropes. Naito eventually gets to the ropes, but this is a good example of, you know, Junior bringing his game nonetheless. Zack Sabre Jr. counters a Destino attempt. Now we're towards the end here. He counters a Destino attempt. Second attempt at Destino, Naito nails it. So he, so then he goes for another Destino, but Zack Sabre Jr. counters that into the Zack driver and gets the spoiler win. So that effectively took Naito out of contention. And what's interesting here is that this was, I um, I think, if my memory's correct, and I'm sure some of you wonderful people in, in, in chat right now will be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this is the first time Junior pulled out the Zack the, the driver, the Michinoku driver, which he had, aside from the preliminary matches, I mean, in his tournament matches, in his tag team matches, I think he he used it. Um, but yes, since Takamichinoku basically said, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead, use it. I think it's the first time that he uses it, and he gets the, a huge win. I mean, you know, Junior was out of contention at this point regardless, but it was still really interesting to see him do this. I mean, after all, you know, his portrayal is a bit like a, he's a petulant sociopath, right? And he generates heat just by being a complete dick from just uh, spoiling stuff all the time, spoiling other guys' offense. So why wouldn't he spoil Naito's ultimate gold here? Goal, not gold. Well, I mean, ultimately it leads to gold, but the word I was wanting, that wanted to use was goal. So that was really cool. That was a, that was a fun match. And I'm going to have a drink here. Mm. Because I'm getting excited. And when I get excited, I get thirsty. 
Kenny Omega versus Kenta Ibushi. Ibushi and Omega said last year uh, that um, he will that they will probably die if they have to fight in the G1 finals. I think they said that uh, during last year's G1. And now they're fighting to see who... Now they they have to fight each other to see who goes, who heads to the finals. Now, I'm going to be... I'm going to be frank straight off the bat. This As much as this was a fantastic match, I felt that... What did I say? I, everyone's correcting me. Kota Ibushi? Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi. I know it's Kota Ibushi. What did I say? It doesn't matter. Thank you, chat, for correcting me. Um, I I feel that in this match they didn't pull out everything it felt like they were holding back a little bit it wasn't the big show and I'm not trying to make a Paul White joke and I'm not going to go into uh, I said Kenta okay it's no it's Kota not Kenta Kenta is uh, that was uh, Hideo Itami's name I I don't know why it confused Hideo Itami and, uh, and Kota Ibushi um, but I know I, I feel like they didn't pull out everything. They didn't pull out the big, it was brutal. It was wonderful. It was emotional. It was brilliant storytelling once again, but then, and I'm okay with this because this leads me to believe that the big match, the big Omega Ibushi match is still to come. We haven't seen it yet. And I'm fine with this. Now, I this I I was surprised at how brutal it was and how quickly it became brutal. Omega lands like, like early on, you know, in the match, early on, Omega lands the first strikes on Ibushi. And you can tell he's he didn't like it. You know, he sort of leans on the top rope, and you know, there's a moment where he's like, Man, I have to I have to beat my best friend, lover, partner. I have to beat him up. You can tell he doesn't really want to. But quickly after that, man, they were on the outside. They were slinging each other into the barricades. That was crazy. I it, it really surprised me how quickly the switch was made. Um, Ibushi hits a power. He hits a, the power slam, moon salts, and Omega lifts his knees. Omega looks for the you can't escape. Fireman's drop rolling into the moonsault. Then Omega, uh, not Omega, but Ibushi lifts his knees. So right there, you know, you've got like, uh, you know, they know each other too well. Omega hits the rise of the Terminator with surprising velocity, uh, sending them right both into the barricades. And Ibushi throughout the entire match is selling the V-triggers like they're coming in at warp speed. Like every time I feel like his head is just going to pop off his neck. He's doing a fantastic job. I'm also shocked that Ibushi didn't cave Omega's chest in with that standing double knee moonsault. Man, I have that. That was ridiculous. Can't believe it. 
they were holding each other's arms while they were holding each other's arm while they were slugging each other. Like they really had a grip on each other's forearm. And at some point they were slugging at each other, just holding on to each other. Ibushi goes up. Uh, Kenny kicks out of a, of a Kamigoye. Ibushi up, goes up top, misses a Phoenix splash. Omega is back with a V trigger to the back of Ibushi's head. That was nasty. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a real big fan of headshots, especially to the back of the head. I always, mm, it's, it makes me cringe. You know, with all we know now about concussions, and especially, especially, you know, the recent stretch of really scary neck injuries in New Japan, like since last year, you think they'd just be a little more careful? Or, you know, maybe these guys are just, such god tier wrestlers that everything is fine and they know exactly what they're doing but you know an accident is an accident they go to the top rope and you know one of the defining images of the uh of the g1 so far is that double stop stomp from the top rope onto kenny omega's head that was gross violent and gross i could the way Omega's neck just snaps back. I did not like that. The Super Tiger Driver was amazing. He covers Omega and he kicks out, uh, who kicks out at two. Finishes with the Kamigoye. Bushi wins, advances to the finals. What an amazing, amazing match. Putting over not only the stakes of the match, but also the nature of their relationship. And if you if you ask me, this was peak wrestling right here. And if this isn't the first, and by the way, this isn't the first time I talk about peak wrestling during the course of my G1 coverage. This tournament has been bananas. Now remember one thing: the last match they had together was in 2012. And the story here is that Ibushi is the only man that Omega cannot beat. And I know at, at this point, everyone was saying, oh, we're going to get Ibushi and Omega again at Wrestle Kingdom for sure now. And then Omega's going, you know, the general booking idea was Omega's going to, Omega's going to come out on top uh, at, uh, is going to go out, is going to come out on top at, uh, at, at Wrestle Kingdom, finally having beaten the man that he cannot beat, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I don't think this is going to happen. <laughs> so that concluded all of the block action, which let us enter today's finals. It was a bit of a slog the show until we get to the end bit of a slog didn't uh don't think i cared for it all that much was okay gonna run through the card some moments a little faster than others eugene nagata shota umino and ayato yoshida versus uh hanma elgin and makabe Hanma, see, Hanma is another good example back from a near paralysis because of an accident. 
He's on his he's on his comeback trail, which is fine, and he's going in soft, doing six man tags. That's that's great, but that happened last year, early 2017, right? Let me check here. Um, I think that's uh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Shibata after that. Anyway, it's just some, I don't, I don't want my, see, I'm, I'm the kind of fan who wants my, my wrestlers, my wrestlers, but all wrestlers to have long, uh, fulfilling careers where I can enjoy them for many, many years without having to feel terrible that they put themselves out there so horribly for our very selfish entertainment that they're that they become invalid. I don't want that. I don't want that from any, any wrestler. Anyway, uh, back to the opener. It was a fine opener. It was nothing special. It was nothing rotten either. It was, you know, a bit of a showcase of Elgin, Makabe and Han, uh, Makabe and Hanma. It was fine, but you know, it was short. I think that's was, that's what's its saving grace was. Toa Hanare versus Bad Luck Fale. Uh, I guess we were all kind of expecting Hanare for them to swerve us and have Hanare uh, join um, the firing squad BCOGs. But no, they swerved us by giving us a squash match, a Fale squash match. Grenade, Bad Luck Fale covered for three. I mean, Hanare got some offense in. It's not as if it was a complete dominance. You know, he got some big shoulders in a flying ta- shoulder, a flying shoulder tackle, but I was really expecting something else here. I was I was expecting it to be a non-match. It was a match, which was still kind of a non-match, and you kind of wonder why they put it on the card. It was didn't serve much of a purpose. Uh, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto versus Taichi and uh, Izuka. Takashi Izuka. Um, Taichi comes to the ring and does his whole song thing. There's no sign of Izuka, but uh, so then the chaos guys arrives at Izuka, attacks them from behind with the chair. So it was their plan all along. What a sneaky, sneaky Taichi! He removes Izuka's muzzle at some point, and then the biting ensues. He starts sn- say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attacking on Yoshihashi, bites Goto. Um, Romero says, <laughs> Romero, he says at some point on commentary, Izuka used to be a technical wrestler. Now he technically bites. 
And I wonder if that's if there's really a double meaning in that. <laughs> I wonder if these if it was more of a it was more criticism than commentary. Go to tags in and cleans house until uh, on the heels until he gets bitten again and tight. She goes back to work. Head kick and powerbomb by Taichi for the win. Uh, goes after Yoshihashi with his microphone after the match. Goto as well. Um, a lot of people before the G1 were surprised. Well, not, not well before the G1, but when the, the, the competitors of the G1 were announced, a lot of people were surprised that Taichi wasn't in there. And a lot of people were surprised that Yoshihashi was in there because a lot of people didn't felt like he didn't deserve the spot and that it was uh, it should have been Taichi. And I think maybe maybe making up for it a little here, maybe showing us uh, saying, well, maybe you guys were right. I don't know. Yeah, Izuka is a trainer. That, that I I get that chat. I know he's a I know he's a trainer in the dojo, but I mean, that was uh, it, it. It wasn't good. It was kind of my low point if it, you know if you discount the squash match which was a squash match um Cody and Hangman Page versus Dave Finley and Juice Robinson I was looking forward to this and uh, I think that they they delivered it was a fun it was a fun match Juice unwraps his uh, his hand from the get go letting us know that the hand the, the left hand of god is fine and Page and Finley have um not Paige and Finley sorry Finley and Robinson have really good chemistry as a team and both actually felt like tag teams instead of just like a bunch of singles wrestlers tore, uh, tossed in together it was really really good Paige and Finley have some great chain wrestling to start uh Juice and Cody go at it there's a lot of grandstanding happening as well um Paige hits his pump handle slam on Finley with the bridge gets two and never get that's always a fun little spot I not tired of seeing it. Cody does a front suplex onto Fin uh, on Finley right onto Page's knees. That was a nice tad, uh, uh, tandem offense rare. Cover for two. Juice gets the hot tag. Does the top rope crossbody on Page. Juice works the crowd. You know, Japanese, the Japanese crowd, they love them some juice, don't they? That dude's over. He's really, really good. Um, Cody's in the corner where Paige is seated, puts him in the tree of woe, woe, and he cannonballs on both guys. That was cool. The heels are back in control. Cody hits a power slam and Paige hits the running shooting star press for two. Cody mocks Juice's punches, but Finley comes in for the double team flapjack, which was another nice little bit of tandem offense that didn't feel like four singles guys. Like I said before, I'm repeating myself, but it didn't feel like four single guys Singles guys in the tag team match. It was fun. Cody struggles out of pulp friction. Finley runs in, but uh, Paige nails him with the buckshot lariat. Pulp friction is reversed into Din's fire by Cody for the win. Now, the really interesting part here is that Cody grabs the U.S. title and cuts a promo on Juice. And he says... uh, uh, he says that, you know, everyone's been saying that Juice Robinson has improved. I don't think you've improved. All you've done here is a bad impression of Kyrie Sane, which I thought was amazing. And he declared himself as the next U.S. champion. So there's another contender 
for uh for Juice's US title. He's got a rogues gallery. This during the G1, he developed a rogues gallery of opponents who pinned him during the tournament and who are entitled to a match or can request a match. Tamatango, uh, Tamatango. You remember Tamatango? You know, he used he used to be Disco Inferno's partner when they were in- <laughs> Kyler, if you're listening, there, there you go. Tamatango. This is my um, Alistair Bagel for the day. Uh, Tamatanga, Naito, Ibushi, Omega, Zack Sabre Jr., Ishii. Those are all contenders to the U.S. title. And now Cody. I wouldn't want to be in Juice's shoes. Gorillas of Destiny and uh, Tajiri Ishimori, the Bone Soldier, versus the Young Bucks and Marty Skrull for the Never Wait. Never open weight. Six-man tag titles. I guess Ishimori is officially BCOG now. Eh, that We've got that one out of the way. Guess he uh, took some... Uh, he was able to take some run away from Impact for a little while. Come do this match. Harold May is at ringside and he gives his okay to make this match a title match because this is what was confusing a bit. It, was, uh, it wasn't supposed to be a title match. But it was advertised on New Japan World as a title match. So the Young Bucks asked May to make it a title match. And Harold May could have been like, uh, guys, uh, just just go on NewJapanWorld.com. It's, it's, been a, it's been a championship match all along. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go through this one fairly quickly. I'm not going to go necessarily into the blow, blow to blows here because... I'm a little short on time, but um, uh, basically the big news here is that we have new six-man uh, or trios champions. The uh, uh, Tamatanga, Tongaloa, and Bone Soldier, all, they won. It was And it was a good match with fun action. You expect something good from... These six guys, I mean, it's, you know, they work well together. Talented guys. It was, it was a fun match and it was a good move as well. It's not as if, it's not as if the Young Bucks and Marty Skrull were really doing a lot with their six-man titles. You know, then again, you know, here's where I'm a little, uh, here's where I'm a little uh, iffy is that they were, they were doing this angle where they were, they wanted to punish the firing squad into um they wanted to, to to punish the firing squad because of all the shenanigans and because of Tamatanga going nuts on fans and uh um and, and social media and the swearing and all of that and they were going through official new japan channels to relay this news the fact that if anyone interferes in block b matches they're going to get suspended for three months and they reward them with a title and then what do the Tongans do? They toss the titles on the ground. I mean, I get it. It's fine. It's it's heat. You know, we're really we're really in here for the for just to beat guys up. It's not about the titles. And why, you know, why bother then? <laughs> you know, and then I felt bad for I felt bad for Ishimori because maybe Ishimori was like, yeah, I'm in this for the titles. I'm cool, we want a title. And Tonga just tosses them maybe he was like dude i'm kind of happy 
but I get it. I get it. You know, I know it's disrespectful and I know it's part of the, it's part of the mystique. I get it. I get it. It's just weird that they, they just go ahead and reward that. They just go ahead and reward them. Uh, again, going through these quickly, Bushi Sonata, Evil and Naito, L-I-J, versus El Desperado, Kanemaru, Zack Sabre Jr., and Suzuki, the Suzuki Gun dudes, in this war that never ends. It was fun. I think if you've seen an, L- uh, an eight-man L-I-J, Suzuki Gun match before, you've seen this one as well, but it was good. Sonata, uh, the match ends when Sonata ducks the mist. By Kanemaru, he hits the skull in on him and he taps out LIJ win. After the match, Suzuki destroys all of the young lions who were there. He was really mad that he didn't won. Uh, and they did the fist bump at the end, the LIJ guys. Man, I really believe Takahashi was going to pop up and go do the fist bump. That would have been a nice moment, but that's fine. Let's just leave them go. They didn't reward the Tongans. Andrew says the Bucks and Marty blew it. No, I storyline wise, I get it. Like I said, I get it. Storyline wise, that was the story of the match. But ultimately, like physically, booking wise, despite the fact that, you know, they've been trying to, that New Japan has been, you know, very adamant on how, Tomatanga's behavior has maybe been a little off, a little, you know, maybe pushing the heel thing a little too well. I mean, they did communicate this stuff through official channels. I find it odd that they're rewarding, uh, that they're rewarding him with titles. But I get it. I know storyline-wise, Bullet Club Elite blew it, for sure. Kenny Omega, Chase Owens, and uh, Yujiro Tanahashi defeated Yano, White, and Ishii. This was fine. I expected it to be a little more entertaining than it was, but the big news here, uh, the big uh, 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 Yano, White, and Ishii, Ishii won. But the big news here is that after the match, Ishii officially threw the, threw the gauntlet at Omega for the title and I am all for that. Man, their match was so good. I am 100% behind doing this them doing it again. Rey Mysterio Kushida and pro wrestler Sengoku <laughs> taking on Rapungi 3K and Okada. It's it's Taguchi. Pro wrestler Sengoku is Taguchi. And, you know, all throughout commentary, it's like, oh, he's doing, he's doing a hip, um, hip strikes. Oh, how dare he take Taguchi's offense? And, and you know, they're going like, hmm, he looks familiar. You know, it was very, very cheesy. And especially in the age of internet where you can just look this stuff up. There was no big mystery. My highlight of this match here is Rey Mysterio and Okada. Look, this match was overall, it was rough overall. Um, But I feel that uh, Mysterio and Okada have things to do together. I think I, I actually want more of this. 
the exchanges that they had were short, but so very interesting. I especially liked, even though it was a, I I I, I liked the spot where Okada uh, cut off a six one nine with a drop kick. I thought that was cool. And man, the crowd was ready for a six one nine, weren't they? Because when Okada hit it, the audience just booed that booed him the hell out of the building. Sengoku was a sponsorship sponsorship thing, Andrew says in the chat. Look, dude, they I don't know what they were sponsoring. That was uh, I I guess I'm not super aware of uh of many Japanese products that are involved in New Japan cross promotionally. <laughs> Let's get to the main event, shall we? Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kota Ibushi, Kenta Ibushi. Just to make sure y'all paying attention. <laughs> Kenny Omega is in Ibushi's corner and friggin' Shibata is in Tanahashi's corner. If you wanted to add just an extra little layer of gravitas to uh, these happenings here, there you go. I mean, listen, okay, this is really the kind of match that even if I did a blow-by-blow for you, kind listeners, gentle listeners, above-average listeners, there is absolutely no way I can do it justice. And I I felt that we were going to be in for something special. So even as as I was sitting with my computer, I, I actually put it down my girlfriend, who never watches wrestling, by the way, and watches who watched the G1 with me this year. She was on the couch with me. I sat down my computer, and I just watched it. I didn't take notes. I figured if there was something special that was going to happen here, I'd just recount it from memory, or at least jot down some notes after the match. But I wanted to, I wanted to be 100% involved into this. I wanted to see where this was going to go. And man, that decision paid off. This is a special match. It's one of these, it's one of these special matches that as a pro wrestling fan and that goes beyond WWE, New Japan or whatever allegiance you think you may have. If you like wrestling, if you love wrestling, you're passionate about it. You want to see fantastic things that will make you feel things as you're watching it natural and not contrived by people who are at the top of their game you could you could not watch the entire g1 and just jump in right here and if you're if you don't watch new japan because you don't have new japan world just for this match it's worth converting 999 yen into your local currency and subscribing for at least a month just to see this match. Trust me. The build-up to this match from start to finish was exquisite. The crowd is into it. They're super hot and they haven't even touched each other. And there was some great wrestling to begin with with Tanahashi mostly in control for the better part of it he works Ibushi's knees he wants to take out his vertical base and Ibushi is trying to counter trying doing his best 
but then there's the one there's this one moment the trigger the switch is when Tanahashi slapped Ibushi just give him a real veteran to upstart I know Ibushi's not an upstart or at least young guy slap and Ibushi's strategy demeanor everything changed from that point on he became he became possessed. He was a demon at that point. The, and this was that insane sequence where they started trading relentless palm strikes and kicks. It felt like they, it was so brutal that it just felt, the entire sequence felt like it lasted 10 minutes. And I'm not in a sense that, oh man, it was so long. It's just, it, They just wouldn't stop. And at some point you were like, my God, guys, please stop. It was so good. And it was at that point that Ibushi was like, screw it. But eventually Tana hulks up. He starts slaying and strikes again. And Ibushi actually backpedals. He starts getting afraid. He can't believe that Tanahashi is like this. And he's fired up that he has rage in his eyes. He seems afraid. And he can't get a proper response in. He doesn't know how to counter what's going on. He's just like, back it up. We get straight jacket Germans, uh, Bamaye uh, from Ibushi to the back of Tanahashi's head, the standing double knee moonsault again by Ibushi, a lawn dart by Ibushi, second rope German suplex from the apron by Ibushi, last rights, and Tanahashi doesn't give up. He is unpinnable. Tanahashi hits three high fly flows to put Ibushi away. This, you know what? Hot take. This was better than Okada Omega 4. How about that? For me. You're... not, I'm not expecting you guys to agree. But as much as I loved Okada Omega 4, this had something completely visceral. Now, oh, maybe it wasn't as good. Maybe I'm still a little caught up in the moment. But, you know, this, regardless, it, 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 like I said, I don't do ratings and I don't try to compare stuff. That's not my thing. It's... In, wrestling great wrestling is great and this is great wrestling just go enjoy it and it doesn't matter on what scale it falls on i regret saying that now i shouldn't have said it see damn you hot takes damn you internet and twitter forcing us to 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 position ourselves all the time boo can't we just enjoy everything yes yes we can (laughs) my twitter my twitter timeline is filled up with people who are sad and or angry about Ibushi not winning and about not getting the um, Wrestle Kingdom match against uh, Omega. And or even Naito for that fact. You know, a lot of people are super mad that Naito's not there either. And the question everyone's going is, who wanted Tanahashi? Who wanted Tanahashi? First of all, did you hear the Japanese crowd? Not just at the finals, but throughout the entire G1 
from top to bottom. The Japanese crowd loves Tanahashi. They love the ace. From beginning to end, this guy is over. He's always been over, and he is considered a legend. He's a guy everyone loves. So they wanted it. Second of all, I didn't know I wanted it. I didn't know I wanted Tanahashi or Omega. And this is the entire story. It turns out that this is the entire story of the G1. This is Tanahashi establishing himself once more as a guy who can who can deliver in the top match. The grizz, the, the old vet that people are discounting from the get-go. I want show of hands. People who actually picked Tanahashi to win the G1. Show of hands. You got to be honest. I don't think anyone saw this coming. This is most likely like it's his final try, his final gamble. This is the cementing of his legacy. That's what we were talking about earlier when I was chatting it up about Omega and Tanahashi. This has been his story throughout the entire G1. You know, many, perhaps, uh, perhaps maybe newer fans see, you know, the athletics of, uh, of Ibushi and the, uh, the irrepressible charisma of uh, Tetsuya Naito. And maybe they're disappointed. And I'm saying newer fans, I'm uh, straight up transparent. I am, I, I am not, uh, I'm not a long time New Japan guy. A couple of years at the most. Try to read up on history and everything. But I mean, you know, I, I have, uh, I have, like, I haven't been watching this since the 90s, for instance. So, you know, I'm not trying to, to discount anyone, but perhaps, you know, maybe some newer fans are seeing, you know, are the, the, these, these current top-tier wrestlers not necessarily knowing the gravitas that comes with the Tanahashi, the history, the, the personal investment that this man put into the business. The, you know, his contribution to New Japan cannot be discounted. It's enormous. So this ultimately is a guy who made us believe throughout the entire G1 that he still had it and he's good for one last match. And if this isn't the feel-good story that you were looking for in New Japan, I, I don't know what is. This G1 was all about this tale. And, and it feels fantastic on that level because you, we all fought through this with him. It may not be the match that you were hoping for, but it's the match that we deserve and it will deliver. If you have any doubts as to whether or not this match is going to deliver and you haven't watched, you haven't watched today's finals. Oh boy. Just go watch it. You don't have you don't even have to watch the entire G the, the entire G1. But if you wanted to, there has been a 
Baker, a double Baker, a double Baker, a Deborah Baker, a double Baker's dozen of extraordinary matches throughout the G1. I don't even know where to start. If I'm supposed to start picking what my favorite matches were. I mean, I remember when we wall, when it was on night two and we had Omega versus Naito, which is a match of the year candidate. And we were like, this can't get any better. <laughs> it was so good, but it was just the second night. We had 16 more nights to go plus the final. And look at what we got. Omega versus Naito night two is amazing. Everything Ishii has done. Check those out, especially Goto and Ishii on night six and Ishii and Omega on night 14. And Omega Ishii on night 14 is probably going to turn into your preview to their upcoming IWGP match. That's going to be crazy because what they did during the G1 was nuts. Ishii destroyed Kenny Omega's lip. He 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 severed his mouth. There were dingle dangle parts. Blood. He did that. I may be slightly exaggerating. But since Ishii came to uh today at the finals, threw down the gauntlet and told Omega, handed him the IWGP championship title and said look i'm next i'm okay this is going to be fantastic zack saber jr and ishii on night eight was great too um naito and juice on night six i really liked as well okada and suzuki on night 13 oh man there's so many good matches and then the last few nights Okada Tanahashi, man, that's something special too that happened there. Um, Ishii Sonata on night 18 again. They didn't have to pull out the match that they did. They were out of contention, but holy hell, what a fight. Junior Naito on night 18 and Ibushi Omega again on night 18. Sonata Ibushi, Sonata Ibushi on night 8 was also really, really good. There's just so many good matches. And of course, the final here. Just as we wrap up, a couple of quick stories. What were the, some of the stories that we, or some of the takeaways? Uh, Juice Robinson is super over as a babyface. It wasn't his greatest performance. This overhanging arc of the entire match. Um, performance, I mean, performance-wise as far as uh, points, score advancing in the tournament he had on that and he had a pretty sucky tournament but you know there was the over overreaching arc that his uh, left hand was broken so it kept him from using all his his offense but that didn't that it didn't seem to hurt him and he's he 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 kept he kept on pushing uh working that baby uh, that underdog angle the, the new japan crowd they eat that guy up. They just eat him up. I think I still think I said this on my G1 recap on fightfulselect.com. Subscribe today, five dollars only. Uh that he 
I think it's it's hilarious these reports or these rumors that WWE has been contacting him to go back. He's not going to go back anytime soon. Maybe not never, but definitely not now. Um, on the same level, Adam Page, Hangman Page, did not have a good tournament, perf- again, points-wise. But as the tournament went on, Page's matches became more and more compelling as he became a guy who had nothing left to lose. His matches became more and more dramatic. Uh, he he was just like, th- he was throwing caution to the wind and just becoming much more, his offense became much more tight, much more drilling. I don't know how anyone can dislike Adam Page. He's so good. He's just really, really good. His match with Minoru Suzuki was pretty good too. Uh, I forget what night that was on. You should check that out. Um, it wasn't it wasn't a spectacular G1 for Page, but it was one that really well established him. Made him look really good. And it was Jay White's coming out party. Man, that scummy John Cusack toadstool. He just came out as a heel. I don't know why he didn't do this while he was G1, uh, not G1, but US champion. His, his US championship run was... Uh, somewhat underwhelming but here he was fantastic he got fantastic heat the whole way through in a time where new japan really needs its uh really needs its heels because a lot of the heels are beloved right they they get they get babyface reactions Jay White, though, he's so slimy and underhanded and conniving. I like this kind of heel. And he he does it very, very, very well. This was a coming out party for him, and I'm glad he did so well. And I know a lot of people were... Another another underlying story was uh, the situation about... um, you know, the um, the firing squad, BCOGs, I don't even know what they call themselves anymore. How they all, how they'd interfere and, and cause DQs in the G1. And this is, you know, the, G, the G1 is sacred ground. You know, you, you're not supposed to pull off that kind of stuff. You know, it's supposed to be a battle, combat, a battle of honor and so on and so forth. I personally didn't have a problem with it. Be, as long as it advances a story... I'm okay with it. It and it advanced the story that these guys well they they don't really care. They just want to win and they want to reposition themselves as the true force, true faction within Bullet Club, within New Japan. But the problem I had overall with this was Tamatanga being established as more of a bully than a leader you know the early on when uh, when they did the uh, when they did the attack in san francisco the uh very early on tamatanga was cutting promos and saying that you know wanted to reclaim bullet club that this was uh this was a revolution you know well every good revolution has a leader and tamatanga seemed to be poised to do that 
and I can get that, you know, he he's uh, he's part of a group. They work in numbers, but you still need a strong leader for this to work. Still need someone who can actually pull off a win without having the guys screwing everything up. I mean, what it could have, to me, his match with Kenny Omega would have been much more compelling had he turned around and say, said to, to Fale and Loa, go back, guys. I got this. I don't need your help. Okay, have them lose anyway. It doesn't matter. But, you know, uh, just make it make it so. Make it happen so that he can win some matches and actually look strong. Because he doesn't look, he doesn't come across as a compelling leader. A strong, compelling leader. And that's my biggest irk in regards to how they booked the bullet club, uh, the BCOGs that they just look like goons. They don't look like a revolutionary faction. I don't buy that. They're going to overthrow the elite. You know what I mean? And it's not by, it's not by winning the, 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 the uh, trios title. That's, that's going to change that. Andrew again says, uh, But that's the point. Tama can't really win these matches without the assistance of the BCOGs. And like I said, I get that. But uh, Tama still needs to come across as a threat. Someone has to come across as a credible threat to the elite because that's essentially the problem. Kenny, Cody, uh, the Bucks, Skrull, so on. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to run through the entire list here, but that's that's the thing. They they're they're using these tactics, but they're not coming across as strong, they're coming across as thugs. And that's that's the main issue. No, I, and I get I get it Andrew. They work did work as one faction just like when Balor and Anderson originated it fine, but then at some point you have people coming out and winning singles matches and actually looking strong and not just looking like a bunch of guys who run in with chairs. But I understand the point. That's my only problem with how they were booked this entire G1 is just like they just coming in to mess up stuff. At the same time, it's good heat. You can't argue with that. It's very good heat and it's better better heat than calling out army veterans on Twitter or Roman Reigns. Or, uh, or or grabbing the throats of fans. It's much better heat. <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. That's 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 how we wrap up. It was an extraordinary G one. Is it better than last year's? I don't think I want to compare. <laughs> I really, really liked this year. I really enjoyed it from from A to to Z, and I appreciate the fact that I was able to share this and do some coverage and talk about it on FightfulSelect.com and to close it all up right here on Fightful.com. And I want to say it again, a big shout-out and a great big thank you to Sean, Sean Rossap, for giving me the opportunity to do this. This was so much fun, and there was so much wrestling to watch. I think I'm going to go have a very long nap. (laughs) And thank you all for tuning in today. 
coming in to watch the stream. Remember, FightfulSelect.com, $5 a month. So much content. If some of you are FightfulSelect.com, FightfulSelect members in the chat right now, you already know how great it is. So why don't you share? Why don't you tell the others that how great this is? How great FightfulSelect.com is. How it adds to the enjoyment of your day and your overall appreciation of this of the sport of kings. Professional wrestling. And in case you didn't know, I also do things on the side on my end. You can follow me on YouTube. Just go to tinyurl.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes. I'm on Twitter quite a lot. Just ask my girlfriend. Thank you so very, very much for joining me today for this wrap-up. Guys, I will see you next time.